Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. All right, bleachers are open. We've taken a week off because it has been absolute chaos at the Blum household. I apologize for that. I will take full responsibility for the lack of podcasting. But uh, fortunately, the last podcast we did actually had a very good interview on it with Dr. Meredith Wills. We may we may circle back because there's some interesting, uh, and these will be strictly conspiracy theories on my part. So we may circle back and uh, talk a little bit about that baseball later in this podcast. But what's on tap brought to you by St. Arnold, of course, our favorite beer of choice when we are living in Texas. And if Tuttle ever gets out here, he will thoroughly enjoy having himself a uh, lawnmower or a summer pills is actually really good right now, to be honest with you, with uh, the, as good as the weather is in Houston. But uh, a lot going, well, I wish there were more, was more going on as far as baseball. I think last time we talked, uh, the Astros were not in first place. They are now in first place. Uh, there was, uh, you know, there was a big event here in Uvalde uh, school shooting, and Steve Kerr had some thoughts on that. I think we may touch on that a little bit. Morning talk shows. I actually, Tuttle texted me this, and I, it immediately was just like, yeah, I'm like, We'll get into that, why I, I was just agreed with what he sent awesome. uh, as far as morning talk shows, uh, sports talk shows, uh, and then Tuttle is going to talk about coffee, which I desperately need right now because the travel plans of the Houston Astros are kicking me right in the cojones, as they say. And uh, we already mentioned the dead ball, and uh, you got something on here about Cal had Cardinals A's vibe what, that we envied. So yeah. I can't wait to hear what that is. So stay tuned for all of that. But of course, we have uh, leadoff lyrics. And I thought it was great. Uh, the last time we went out there, we gave out some lyrics and a, a band. The Disinfectants is a band who actually guessed what our songs were. And you did Metallica's one, which was a great read. And then uh, I, I get my street cred went up, I think, with uh, the Disinfectants yeah. guessing our bands and our songs. So I had Alice in Chains, and it was Sludge Factory, and they actually knew – in my mind, what I was thinking about, because there's a great unplugged album by Allison Chains that I absolutely love and listen to if I'm just chilling in the middle of the night coming back from a game. And it uh, said the unplugged version is, is insanely good. And uh, the DVD was amazing and everything like that. So it really rocked. And we appreciate the disinfectants for being listeners and telling us what our songs and our bands were. And I don't know about you. How do you feel about the leadoff lyrics? Are you enjoying this at all? I think it's kind of nice. I do like it. I, I feel like I need to give it a little more do, right? A little more time and energy um, than, you know, oh, yeah, we got to do lyrics Th again. 30 but, seconds before the podcast? Yeah, <laughs> other than that. But but I do like going through my either my song list, my playlist, or I think when you initially, you know, when we started this, you brought your walk-up song. Um, mm -hmm. There are some songs that kind of bring you back to the stadium feel, and uh, and I do. I listen. I'm like you. I listen to music, and I think about those late night bus rides or those trips that you take. And I'm like, what album did I used to listen to? My first year in the minor leagues when I was trying to sleep, I listened to James Taylor's greatest hits. I will never oh, forget man. how many times I had the portable CD player and the bus. You know, stinky, hot, loud. Like you're laying in the back of hit that a bump bus and it skips. Oh, yep, yep. Hit a bump and the CD skips. But I, you know, so I mean, I can we can cover the gamut. But I, I agree with you. Like even some hard rock bands like Alice in Chains, the acoustic version, I'll still listen to Nirvana Unplugged. Um, I'll listen to Alice in Chains Unplugged. 
you know, kind of a mellower version of something. But uh, yeah, I, I'm actually enjoying it now that you asked. What about you? What are you thinking about it? I like it because it forces me to kind of maybe dig into the the uh, the playlist a little bit deeper. And it's kind of funny. Like now I'll just go on to uh, my, my phone and I'll just click on songs and go on repeat or I'll go on shuffle and just start firing out songs. Granted, I skip about, you know, 65% of them because I'm like, why would I want to listen to, you know, Christmas tunes that my kids downloaded on here? I'm like, okay, this isn't the moment or how many, uh, oh man, what is, uh, all the songs that they did for kids that they took out all the bad lyrics and they had kids, oh, kids sing them. bop. I think yeah, it's kids, kids bop. bop or whatever. Yeah. I so do I not have, listen to that. <laughs> did, well, I don't either, but at the time yeah. when you had your kids, you're like, Oh, that's a great song, but we need a little bit cleaner version of it. Nope. You know, and I, that's from, I think, I don't know what kids bop is on, but I think I have like kids bop 10 or 11 on my phone. Nice. So I'll get random, you know, Miley Cyrus's and, Songs like that. But once I get past all that, then I start to hear the songs that you're talking about. I mean, music is a big part of life, man. And it just like you remember a time, you remember a place, uh, you remember a person, and and you start to do stuff like that. But uh, it's always fun to hear like some of those random songs on your phone. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know, it's funny. You don't have to lie to us. I mean, you still listen to Kids Bop. That's fine. Because I I, don't tell anybody, man. I'm looking for a (laughs) Kids Bop endorsement on here. There you go. You know, the, we I don't think we've talked about this, but um, there's so many games when you're playing <laughs> baseball that you just come up. But sitting in the bullpen with songs coming on, we had I was in the bullpen when I moved back to AAA, but one nothing, right? The game plays one nothing, so it's essentially it's like name that tune. Oh yeah. So the guitar lick hits, and you're like, oh yeah, cheap trick, one nothing, and then you just it's always one nothing. It's never it's like a one game win streak, but. Who can guess the song the fastest in your seven nights in the same place or four nights in the same place? <laughs> They're doing the same playlist. You're like, ah, one won nothing before it comes on. But uh, man, that like you said, music is a, it's a big part of life, but it also, yeah, it ties you to memories, ties you to experiences. And especially as we've talked about on this podcast with baseball, I mean, there are music and songs that were either sleeping songs or travel songs or stadium songs or walk-up songs. And uh, I'm, I, I guess <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I as well. And uh, we're going to go ahead and start this podcast off with some leadoff lyrics. And Tuttle, are you ready for leadoff lyrics? I'm ready. We'll do it. I'm going to try the old <clears throat> me, 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 me. Uh, freak out and give in. Doesn't matter what you believe in. Stay cool and be somebody's fool this year because they know who is righteous, what is bold. So I'm told. Ooh. Mm. That mm. sounded delicious. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that I love our voices. Delicious. I love the way that we just kind of break it down and get fireside with there the smoking go. jacket on when we give our lyrics. So that's uh, Tuttle's lyrics. And again, we're playing it's poetry. Yeah, it is, man. It really is. Once you start to read some of these lyrics, it's kind of funny. But uh, we're doing leadoff lyrics. And uh, make sure you go to at Bleacher Blums and tell us who the band is and the song title. And we will obviously give you a shout out like we gave the disinfectants. But mine's going to be short and quick uh, because sometimes some of the songs I, I pick up for whatever reason have that uh, have the title immediately in the second stanza, I think. So I'm going to be real brief here. But here we go. <clears throat> As Tuttle said, we're going to clear our throat and get ready for this one. Drop it down. Oh, You wired me awake and hit me with a hand of broken nails. Yeah, you tied my lead and pulled my chain. 
to watch my blood begin to boil. But I'm going to break. I'm going to break my. I'm going to break my. And that's it. I chose that specifically because I do feel like I've gotten hit by a freaking bag of nails. Uh, this road trip's kicking my kicking my nuts right now. Tuttle, how are you doing out there on the West Coast, man? How have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, so it's been a couple days. Um, I'm doing well. Uh, I mean, we don't have the chaos of a graduating person in our house, but mm-hmm. finals and school and what are we doing for the summer and all that. And I know you already have your summer plans, which is road trip after road trip. And, uh, you know... <laughs> We need an attitude adjustment, unfortunately. Maybe after the podcast, you'll feel a little bit better. But it is hard to uh, to travel the country and have a lot of activities. I think the one silver lining piece there is, uh, you know, your kids are older and they're able to kind of be self-sufficient. But uh, but the travel and the lack of sleep and the activity certainly wears uh, on, on all of us. And, uh, yeah, hopefully this three-day weekend is going to be a little refresher. Obviously, Memorial Day weekend here. I think one, my song from last week, as the dis- disinfectants pointed out, would have been a better choice for this week, probably. But, uh, oh. you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, things are going well. Not quite as chaotic at the Blumhouse, but, uh, you know, the sports are turning. Watched a little NBA last night. The Warriors moved into the finals. And I think the uh, the travel, which is what kind of delayed all the podcasting here that you're dealing with, is uh, something that I wanted to articulate because I don't watch TV in the morning anymore. But, uh, you know, you've, you're traveling. This is probably a perfect segue into you click on the TV in the morning, get your coffee. You know, you want to like shower up and get ready for the day. And you, t- I always turn on ESPN. It used to be like Sports Center on a loop. And now it's like, get off my lawn and like, wake up with us. We're yelling at each other. And I mean, I can't like Shannon Sharp and the other guy that likes the Cowboys, Skip Bayless. Uh, Stephen A is on every show in the morning. I mean, Stephen A and then there's a Mike. It's not Mike and Mike anymore, but there's a Mike over there, Greenberg, and there's another Mike over here and there's some other guy. I could not believe it. So I, I traveled last week as well and I was in San Diego. I turned on the TV in the morning. I just had to turn it off regardless of real news, but I mean, I, I just, do people watch that? There must be some ratings, but I mean, you travel more than I do. Is it just hogwash or garbage? No, I, I do. I, to be honest, I have no idea what you're talking about because I don't watch any of it. You know, that's the <laughs> oh, crazy part smart. about it. I mean, you know, <clears throat> all the, you know, those guys, because you, you, you know, you're on social media uh, and you see the, uh, you know, the 10 second soundbite and it's, and it always seems to be Steven, Stephen A with his hands up, mouth wide open, and something is just coming flying out of there. Or it's Skip Bayless, you know. I don't know if these people have if they actually come up with their own thoughts. I know they do their own, you know, they they come up with it, but I really feel like there's some writer involved or some researcher that gives them this tidbit of information that they've twisted to fit their narrative, and then they just bolt out of there and just blah, it just comes flying out of their face, and all of a sudden they get that 10-second sound bite. And they don't care if it's right or wrong because they're trying to get views to your point. You know, I think it's more the shock jock has gone from the radio onto the TV. And I think that's what it's, it is kind of funny that morning, morning shows are that way because in the morning you're kind of looking for something a little uplifting, maybe a little positive vibe and then a good story that's going to, you know, intrigue you a little bit or keep you tuned in instead of having two dudes just wearing each other out. Yeah. And that's all it seemed to be. Like I said, I clicked around a few channels. I just wanted to see the highlights from the night before. You know, this is what, 
now we're really dating ourselves. This is what happened to MTV, right? When MTV first came out, it was all music. We're like, this is great. I can watch like five videos and, you know, these are the songs I like. And then it was like dating shows. And then it was like, you couldn't find music on MTV to save your life. I feel like sports talk is like, you can't see sports highlights or what happened the night before. And to your point, whether they have a research department or not, I almost feel like they have to say, you know, we've talked about the ball on here, the the ball being juiced or whatever, uh, or lack thereof, dead ball era. And I mean, we're getting into the science of it, and we have a you know an astrophysicist on to talk about that. And then somebody on morning will just say, the ball is exactly the same as it's always been, and that's the way it is. You know, and you're like, just to be, you know, there's no evidence, there's no whatever. And I'll tell you why, because the statistics for this player is, are the same. And you're like, so not only being counterintuitive, but just to be, you know contrarian without any sort of, I don't know, substance and accountability, which is what we talked about before, like personal accountability. So anyway, mm -hmm. uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on that. I just, I just can't imagine. I, I'm, uh, I appreciate that you, my wife get, tries, you know, I drive her crazy because we get in a hotel room and there's a TV and a remote. And I'm always <laughs> like, Hey, let's just turn on the TV and it just stays on. It doesn't mm -hmm. bother me. You travel obviously a lot more than I do. And you just don't even turn the thing on. You, you know, you're just, do your work. So I'm impressed, but man, I, I, I don't know who watches it and I certainly won't be watching it anytime soon. I'm with you. And how it, so what, what would be the ideal, you know, how could you clean that up? Cause I think that those, that, I don't know if that, if that, you know, generation has played out, you know, but there's gotta be a better way to, to, in, yeah. you know, to bring in, I think MLB network, they'd have a, uh, I think it's called MLB Central, and they actually do a really mm -hmm. good job having like a morning talk show, and they have some fun. They they, they break down the the, the yeah. previous day's highlights, and they actually break down swings. I think that that is a little more informative. I will actually watch that morning show with uh, Mark DeRosa, R R Robert Flores, and uh, yep. I cannot remember the girl's name, but she's they're really good. it's a good three people talking baseball and giving highlights, but also having an entertaining banter that you're kind of like, oh, that was kind of funny. That I'll, I'll stay tuned yeah. to that and have it on in the background. You know, that's a really good point. And I'm glad that's a good, you know, a good change as well, because I like MLB. I even like the NFL network where, mm -hmm. you know, they'll have like Randy Moss and they'll have, yeah, they'll have Randy Moss and a cornerback in there and they'll talk about like lining up and like if you're going to get in the guy's face and how you want to angle and like they're actually giving away details that I feel like our podcast does as well when we've talked about from a pitcher and hitter standpoint, like what the, you know, what the hitter is, the message he's trying to send and what the pitcher's trying to do. Um, I think Matt Williams told me this a long time ago and you, you and I have discussed it maybe on air or off air, but you know, on a 2-0 pitch in the big leagues, and there was another article kind of reinforcing that recently, now you don't get, there is no hitter's count anymore, especially the guys throwing 90 mile an hour cutters. Oh, I just read, like they're gonna I read throw, that article, yeah. Yeah, it was a fantastic article, but Matt Williams used to say, look, it's 2-0, uh, it's a 2-0 count. You're not going to get a fastball right down the middle. <laughs> so you have to go, okay, this guy's going to try and go low and away and either scooch up on the plate or change the visual, right? You're changing your narrative. Mm -hmm. So anyway... I just thought that that's that is what, like you said, MLB Central, and that's what some of these shows do, um, give you some insight into what they're thinking and how the actual game's going. So I, I, yeah. I do not, I do not think that those shows are um, a waste of time. I do think the you know the one second blurbs and the contrarian thing is something that's uh, it's not valuable. So hold on, it's uh, Lauren Shahadi, 
and yeah. Mark DeRosa, Robert Flores uh, on MLB Central. Highly go. recommend it if you want to get some highlights and some entertainment. They do a really good job. Tell us, so what's what's uh, going on? Give us an Astros update. So I have been tuned out a little bit. We know that the Reds have come back to... Uh, to uh, Major League Baseball uh, reality now in a good way for them. They were 3-22, and, they 22 and now they're actually yesterday. playing baseball. I know. Awesome, right? And, uh, boy, I heard Bengals an interview. Bengals broke out. Joe Burrow showed up. <laughs> yeah, they had a two, three touchdowns and a two-point conversion to, to finish <laughs> off the game. But uh, I heard Joey Votto on Dan Patrick yesterday. What a, what a hilarious interview he was as well. So, anyway, yeah, the Reds are playing baseball. The Giants, the Padres, and Dodgers are in the same. The Astros, I think, I don't know if we said this on it, you know, the leadoff there, the what's on tap, but I think the yeah. Astros weren't in first place and now they are. So give us give us a little update on the Astros and Phil Tuttle in here from the left coast. I'll, I'll do the best. For, I'll do the best for this fogged out memory bank that I've got because I didn't work the last two games of the ah, Cleveland Guardian series right. at home. Uh, Jeff Bagwell covered up for me and while I was doing the graduation uh, stuff. But if you going back to May second, the Astros I believe are playing 500 baseball now. Obviously, they're extremely good, and uh, they're in first place. And it was kind of funny to see them go on that 11 game run where they, you know, the the Angels I believe were you know 10 and two, nine and two during that stretch. Yet they lose first place because the Astros went on that crazy run, and they've been doing it with with all pitching. Their pitching is the best in baseball. Their bullpen might be one of the better lockdown bullpens I've seen uh, this season. Uh, probably doesn't get talked about enough because nobody wants to talk about the Astros being good again, which frustrates mm -hmm. a lot of people and a lot of pundits around baseball. But uh, they've got their offense is doing just enough. It's unbelievable how many three to two, two to one, uh, five to one games that they're winning. They're not really going out there and smoking people and and blowing them out. There's a couple of blowouts that they've had on the road, but dude, it has been the pitching. Justin Verlander coming back from Tommy John surgery is proving that he's a freak or maybe a, you know another uh, another window of his career that is equally as good as it was in that 2010-11 range when he won the Cy Young and MVP. Um, and, you know, that's probably one of the things that I find most fascinating is everybody goes, oh, he's, he's old. He had Tommy John. He's old. I'm like, dude, the last time this guy pitched a full season, he won the Cy Young. So, I mean, is he, you yeah. know, is that really something that we can talk about? But um, he's been fantastic. Uh, Altuve's come around. I think he's hit eight or nine home runs in the month of, of May. Uh, he's been a real power source. Michael Brantley has got the best swing in baseball, and now he's barreling it up and one of the hard hit percentage type guys in this in the league. But uh, they're playing very good baseball. And you'll Tuttle, if if you looked at their numbers, and I don't have them in front of me right now, but their their bullpen ERA and their starter ERA uh, on the last two home stands is below one point five. You know, that's what's incredible to me. And that's why they're winning games. That's why you can win a game two to one, three to two is because their pitching is so good. Yeah. You know, we've talked about, and I, I don't know if we've said it on here, but we talk about hitting being contagious, right? When the, when we just mentioned the Reds scoring 22 runs, like, you know, every, the fight at the bat rack has been an old saying, right? Like fight at the bat rack, it, yep. uh, hitting is contagious, but I do think there's a, there's another school of thought that'll tell you that hitting, or excuse me, gosh, can't even talk today. Pitching is contagious as well. And I think that yep. Verlander really set the mark. I know Arkady struggled at the beginning of the year, one start maybe, but he is just a strike thrower and he's dealing. And now everybody's just falling in line. And I think it is contagious. And you, I know as a pitcher, you don't want to be the guy that lets everybody down. It's kind of like 
those games where you score 10 runs and you're 0 for 2 with two punch outs and you're coming up for the third time you're like oh my god yeah you're the hole in the lineup you're like I need to put the ball in play so we talked about being mentally focused and staying sharp throughout the year but there's nothing like peer pressure which still works in real life right peer pressure in that clubhouse can be a a positive thing to be honest with you and you don't want to be the guy that lets it down lets the team down and I think that that's what you're probably seeing with the uh with the Astros pitching staff. The other thing that I wanted to touch on, which um, you and I have been reading some of these same articles and sharing them, but uh, it's it's interesting because people want to talk about the dead ball and how it's, you know, the runs are down and the ball's not flying. And we've seen some incidents that are, you know, counter to that, which we can talk about if we need to. But I've always said this to my kids and everybody else that everybody's playing on the same field in the same weather. It's like one of those people that complains mm-hmm. about the rain. It's like, look, or, you know, this guy, you're playing in the same environment. Oh man, it's cold out. It's snowing. Yeah. Well, they have to play and it's cold <laughs> and it's snowing and you have to play. So you got to do the best with what you can. You can't control the baseball, whether there's a, you know, a theory behind that or not. You just have to go out and do your job. And I think all of this stuff can be contagious. And then the last point about the Astros, when you said that nobody wants to give them, they they tend to fly under the radar and it's a good thing. It's their location. I know they're the AL West, but, you know, Houston there, they're not on the left coast. They're not on the East Coast. And that's great, right? Let, let all the talk be about the Red Sox, the Yankees, you know, the Dodgers. Let all the talk all year be about that and the angels even when they were in first place they were getting a little more talk and uh and let the astros continue to do what they're doing i think that'll make you guys happy at the end of the year yeah just to give everybody an idea about the offense and i think you kind of hinted at that dead ball and i I don't know how deep we want to get in this or how big of a conspiracy theory you want to get into this but the astros came off that road trip i you know i was texting tuttle and i'm like dude these guys just hit five home runs in one inning they hit six in the game and that's the second time that they've hit six in a game this season and both times it happened it was on the road so just to give you a little bit of a, a reference point and put this in context the astros have played 20 home games and they've hit 20 home runs on the road 25 games 39 home runs But the biggest number for me that jumps out is the runs per game. At home, they're averaging 3.65 runs per game. On the road, they're a run better at 4.68. And if you really want to jump on that bandwagon and say who's sending who what baseballs, maybe there's a different baseball in Houston than there is somewhere else. And I want to also hit hit on the uh, pitching for Tuttle, obviously, we got to go both sides here. You got to be fair. And the pitching <laughs> for the Astros at home, their ERA is 2.24. So that 3.65 runs per game is obviously more than enough when your pitching staff is going out there throwing up a 2.24 inside Minute Maid Park. But is that because the baseball is different and staying in the ballpark and giving them a better opportunity to put up great numbers? But the fact is, the Astros are a good team being led by pitching. That's the fact. And I will tell you this, as I just kind of uh, hinted at, I mean, everybody's playing with the same baseball in those stadiums. And the fact that the Astros are winning Correct, yeah. is a great, is, you know, and that's what they need to concentrate on and worry about. And all the teams should do that as well. So winning three to two or winning six to five on the road, you know, doesn't really matter to the Astros because W's are W's. And I think w's, uh, baby. we can let, that's right. We can let the conspiracy theorists, uh, you know, get into more about, you know, which stadiums are getting which baseballs and who's using the humidor and who isn't and, you know, how how the thing is, how it's actually rolling out. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to take a break right here for our sponsor. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. 
But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts that help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back. A uh, word from our sponsor. Hopefully that went well here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Remember, you can get at us, uh, bleacherblums.com. You can get at Blummer27 on Instagram and Twitter. Myself at Real David Tuttle on both Instagram and Twitter. I mentioned bleacherblums.com. There's some merchandise on there, but also a way to uh, play our contest, right? Our leadoff lyrics contest and uh, to send us a message. So there's also short hops on YouTube. I mean, we are all over the place. If you uh, if you want to find us, um, I was just going to tease into something, and now we'll get there. Is a couple podcasts back, we talked about how the Cardinals and the A's in pro baseball were uh, the teams that we all envied. When I when I got drafted by the Reds, uh, they made us be clean shaven, and you know everybody had to have their uniform a certain way. And then we would go play the A's, and they had like sleeveless shirts and hat backwards. But I, <laughs> I wanted to touch on this because we were both. Uh, hinting at the fact that we were envious of those organizations, especially in the minor leagues coming up. Those guys just had a free and easy. But I remember when Seven and Regeer and those guys were coaching at Cal at Santa Clara, we were the buttoned up and Stanford was always buttoned up, right? Stanford had to wear everything tucked in and proper. And Cal, I, I don't know, I, I had a, a vision of this here. And I, they were the Cardinals and the A's of the Pac-12 there, at least for us. And I, I thought it was funny how you had kind of hinted along like, yeah, the Cardinals and the A's, those would have been the organizations. But maybe you had to go from less buttoned up to buttoned up when you got drafted. But I was just wanted to hear your, did you know that that was the Cal kind of vibe? Like we were like, man, I want to be the Cal Bears. Those guys, just, they just kind of do whatever they want to do. But you were one of those guys and then you envied them. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. You know, this is kind of an interesting interesting angle because I'm, I would, I agree with Tuttle. I, you know, I, the A's would come into town, the Cardinals would come into town, and they were just free and loose, playing the game as hard as they could. And, you know, not much else mattered. It didn't matter what their uniform looked like. It didn't matter what their hair looked like. It didn't matter if the hat was on straight or backwards. You know, but when, they, when it came time to play the game, they played their asses off. And that's kind of what you envied is that you were given that freedom to kind of express who you are and then play the game as hard as you can. And I think that kind of was a recipe that maybe – certain guys fit into and uh you know some guys perform well under those circumstances now there's people that you know need the rigidity of a uniform a certain way or this so it kind of takes the thought process out of it but I, I like Tuttle and probably the reason why we do have this podcast too is that we kind of enjoy having the freedom of being who we are and expressing ourselves in different ways and I didn't know that about Cal until I got to Cal and 
it, all you need to know is go look up the history of the <laughs> University of California at Berkeley. I mean, it was kind of a freewheeling liberal, you know, uh, we had the naked guy when I was at school. We had, you know, there were rallies and and protests every every day at, at Sproul Plaza. It was, it was just a freedom of expression when you were at Cal. <laughs> and I think that kind of flowed into the, the baseball field. But, you know, seven... And I'm hoping to see him here when we go to Oakland. But Seven was our, our coach, and we, <laughs> he was all buttoned up and cleaned up when he was in my living room. I get to school, and <laughs> the dude rolls out of his office and comes onto the field, and he's got, you know, the, we called them trash bags, those plastic pullovers that we had so back cute. in the day. Those things. But he, <laughs> he had it, like, cut off at the sleeve, and it was, like, tattered. It wasn't, like, hemmed. It was just, like, ragged. You know, it looked like he'd just been, you know, a castaway on a, on a ship for about three months. Yeah, the, the Bill Belichick sleeves he had rolling. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, like, the, the, the hoodie that's cut off and the strings are just hanging. Like, nobody even, like, you know, seared <laughs> off the ends to keep it from fraying. And he, the dude has got one of the biggest cheek chaws I've ever seen in my life. He's got a cup of coffee in one hand, and I swear he had a bottom lip dip in too. So it was just this 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 cartoon yeah. character of a ball coach that had dip stains on his plastic <laughs> dripping down his chest as he's sipping a cup of coffee, spitting, and probably when he got back to his office, lit up a cigarette. You know, I mean, it was like, yeah. you know what? It ain't PC. It probably ain't healthy. But guess what? It's me. And that's just kind of how you showed up. And that's how I learned how to play baseball was out there. And I think that Cal has kind of lended itself to that to that idea. And it's funny. Every time I go and tell people, oh, where'd you go to school? I go, oh, I went to Berkeley. They go, oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, they think it explains a lot, I guess. I don't know. I just, uh, <laughs> I don't know why I had that vision, but I was just thinking about this envy that we all had. And you expressed it as well with the the Cardinals, the A's organizations just got a specific type of player. But I, I I went back to the Cal days and I was like, man, Cal was like that. And you're right, seven. I don't know if he'd ever remember that conversation, but my junior year, we went up there in the fall and he's like, Tuttle, you should have come to Cal Berkeley. And I'm like, you know, I weighed 160 pounds in high school and you didn't call me. So, but otherwise I would have been here probably. Anyway, but uh, but he was a great coach. And I think what you just said is right. I think if if Berkeley, if nothing else, a lot of organizations um, and college specifically, um, they want to keep the kids under their thumb, right? They promise the parents that they're going to raise them right and do whatever. And, you know, at Cal, you already mentioned the naked guy and some of the freedom up there and the protests. I mean, there was a lot of autonomy to be yourself. And I think that lended itself for you guys, you know, when you got the right collection of guys uh, together. I mean, you know, you were going to be who you were. And uh, I know that was successful uh, early on, especially in your career at Cal. So um, anyway, just thought I'd point that out, that Cal was the... They were the team that we wanted to be when you know when we were when we were playing. So yeah, it was a good time. It was a lot of fun. It, you, you talked about the guy, the, the group of guys, but I think allowing yourself kind of the freedom to have that self expression and kind of bounce it off other people, kind of helped me develop who who I was able to become. It was a perfect fit for me. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm glad. I don't know what a perfect fit for me would have been. But, you know, I looked around and, you know, that seemed all right. Well, it turned out all right. Yeah, you know. But, you know, hindsight's <laughs> twenty twenty. Yeah. Just barely. I mean, you and I are in the same place at this moment. Well, not literally, but figuratively. Hey, so a little on a little more serious note, and I don't know how deep we want to get into this. I'm not too politically inclined or intelligent for that matter. Um, but uh, I really applaud Steve Kerr for um, 
changing the narrative the other night at his pregame conference, uh, pregame uh, conference for the NBA Finals, and uh, I, I did not know this about him, and I'll share this with you, and maybe you did, but he was raised by uh, he has. Uh, there were four kids in their family, so he has three siblings. But his father was an educator, and his dad wrote a lot on the Middle East and all this stuff. Um, he wrote books on it, on uh, you know the Middle East, and did a bunch of different things um, as a kind of a missionary and a traveling guy. But he, uh, his goal was always to be the president of a university, and his father became the president of American University in Beirut, Lebanon, and. Um, his dad even said that, you know, I'm kind of a patriot here, but I'm also one of the most accessible people. So once there was some terrorism and some acts of um, violence, his dad actually publicly said this in 1982, um, that he was probably going to be a target for terrorists and or, um, you know, extremists. And his dad was executed in, on the campus Damn. of uh, American University in Beirut in 1984, two years after that. And he was saying that you know, the American embassy had a huge security detail and as things got more tense that all the high ranking officials had a huge security detail, but here he was the president of this university and he did not have a huge security detail, but he realized the kind of the tenuous position of his, um, of his status over there and was executed. And I think maybe that adds some personal, um, connection to what we're talking about, but I, I thought that it was noble and certainly a nice way to use your platform. Steve Kerr, yes, the other day, I guess three days ago, had a two and a half minute rant on gun laws and some gun control and the fact that, you know, background checks bill was passed for background checks in Congress maybe two or three years ago um, to send it to, I'm sorry, to send it up for a vote. And it's just sitting there on the uh, kind of on the docket and nobody's voted on it. And he, uh, he was very candid about how he felt. And then he, I think more importantly, saying that, you know, we just keep doing the same thing. You know, we're offering thoughts and prayers and condolences and we're, you know, doing the right thing. And then we just forget about it and we go back to doing everything else. Hey, let's go Mavericks. Let's go Warriors. And 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 nothing changes. And I think that uh, I mentioned this to you before and I've used this line a lot you know, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over and expect a different result. And I really, that was my takeaway from what Steve Kerr said, but obviously the tragedy in Uvalde, um, you know, is, is something that we're going to continue to talk about. And until we make a change, uh, it may, you know, it'll probably continue to happen. So it was nice that he took his platform and changed the narrative a little bit. And it, and it is a tough subject. And, you know, with, uh, what happened in uh, Buffalo and then what happened in Uvalde, obviously the, the, the frequency, and I'm saying frequency because it happens way too often. And I think that, you know, the Uvalde kind of pushed everybody over the edge. And I think the majority of the United States would agree on this, that we need to stop this somehow, some way. And I think that's why when Steve Kerr steps up and uses his platform, like Tuttle is saying, and everybody says, oh, stick to basketball, stick to baseball, stick to podcasting. You know what? you have an opportunity to say something and you have the balls to go out there and say it, say it. And, uh, you know, I'm tired of hearing pundits, you know, on the political side saying, you know, Steve Kerr doesn't know, you know, how do you know he doesn't know? How do you, who gives a crap if he does know? I don't know anything about politics, but I care enough to be like, okay, this is enough. And, um, you know, you have kids in school, you've been fortunate to, to have them get through schools, uh, we both are in the public school system. You know, my daughters are graduating now and, and moving on to uh, higher levels of education. And, you know, I, it's now a thought 
you know, this, this could happen to my kid. And I hate the fact that that's the thought. And then, you know, being as, you know, not being very, I don't know enough about politics to, to yell at politicians, but I know enough about politics to know that politicians aren't doing enough on both sides. I don't give a crap what side you're on, but uh, the, the, the conversation needs to be had. But at the same time, I think, you know, to your point is action needs to be taken whether it be whether it works or not how do we know if it works or not how do we know if 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 background checks are effective or not how do we know that that banning a weapon is effective or not you know i think we need to try something we need to do something and if that doesn't work we move on and try the next solution that we think might work until we get to a point where we can send our kids to school and be perfectly safe that the next time that school calls us it's to pick our kid up after a great day of class you know i think it puts administration i think it puts teachers in bad spots. It puts parents in bad spots, but yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know what the solution is, but I think something needs to be done. And I think that, you know, the only thing I will say is I'm sick and tired of, of, of sending $40 billion to a foreign country to fight their war when we could be spending that money a little bit better here at home to keep everybody safe and, uh, and educated. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, no, I, I, again, I mean, we can shrug our shoulders. We don't know what we don't know. Um, I've heard this before from people that are a little more um, knowledgeable than I am about our education system in general. You mentioned the $40 billion, but that there's plenty of money within the education system, or there's plenty of money within these entities, but it's just how they allocate the money. Right. And I think mm -hmm. like you, you brought up the best point we have to do something, right? That's why I, I mentioned the definition of insanity. Why don't we just keep doing the same thing and then we can have this conversation again. As somebody pointed out, the Buffalo tragedy, I mean, we didn't even have a chance to kind of figure out what happened there and how, you know, how everything, you know, transpired. And now we're dealing with the one in Texas in Uvalde. And so it's kind of like, you know, if we, if these are happening in such rapid succession that we just have no idea what's, you know, what the right thing is or how it's supposed to, um, you know, how it, how it's supposed to, how we're supposed to feel or how we're supposed to act, then, you know, then we're not going to have any chance to reflect and look at it because they're happening with, it's happening with such frequency. But I like what you said, which is let's do something. I don't know if what Steve Kerr said was correct, which is that 90% yeah. of Americans want some sort of background check. I would actually agree with background checks. I mean, I, you know, you get a background check, no matter what you do, I had to get the, uh, you know, it was a real ID in California, right? And you can't just go show up and do it. You have to fill out mm -hmm. some stuff. TSA is like a background check, right? TSA pre, you have to go do some sort of question and answer, Q&A. Like, mm -hmm. it should be something a little more um, substantial than saying, hey, I just want to buy a gun and here you go. So anyway, uh, I don't want to get too deep into that. I do like that he used his platform and I do like that he has a connection to it. Yeah, and the, uh, the last thing I'll say on that, you know, because everybody's going to point to the weapon and how it's used, and no, I can't pull its own. Tr how about I? And and unfortunately, I've been around people who need help, and the whole mental illness thing, I think, is going to be something that we absolutely one hundred percent need to address, especially after what's happened in 2020, 2021 lockdowns, uh, school, for, you know, school from the house. Uh, and, and things like that. And that, and the way that kids are kind of disconnected from each other personally. So things, 
aren't real in their world if you're living through your phone or through Zoom and uh, things like that. I think that the issue of mental illness is something that we need to address as a country also and protect those people and give them the treatment and the help that they need. And if you are one of those people, I hope that you're able to go find that because not to get too serious or too bogged down in this whole situation, but we need to take care of the people and then we can, you know, and the, the other things, but we need to take care of the kids. We need to take care of the people because we, we just need that more than anything in the world. You know, Blummer, I, I really appreciate what you're saying. And I, I think I mentioned the, we were talking about the morning sports shows, but I watched the little news again, traveling in a hotel. I got to leave the TV off because, you know, I had an experience <laughs> on Monday. I was like, whoa, but I turned on the news and they showed like a smash and grab in Huntington beach. And they showed like, you know, the immigrants at the border and, you know, these people are starving. And I mean, I was like, I watched three news, like little reels and I was like depressed. So you can imagine if you're not working and you're sitting at home and you're watching TV and you're listening to all this stuff. I mean, we do, we need to do a better job of taking care of the people. I sent you a couple of photos because I was walking around San Diego. The ballpark is there. It's nice. The grass, mm-hmm. the groundskeeper was out, got a cup of coffee. Like you got to get out and smell the, um, you know, smell, smell the roses as they say. But I, I do believe um, in exactly what you say, which this starts from the inside, right? This is people being connected mm-hmm. to people and we're getting a little more disconnected. Um, so, you know, take the guns out of it. We need to, like you said, take care of um, take care of each other, right? I think you've said this a bunch on the podcast. Let's walk lockstep together. Most of us are in this like, in this, you know, the center mm-hmm. here together, wanting to just, you know, provide for our family and live a good life. And I think that's a good, you know, I mean, I think it's it's noble and 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 wise and and the right thing to do. And I think that would be a good start. But we can't keep doing the same thing over and over. And then just, you know, all right, you know, our prayers, thoughts, and everything go out to everybody. And then we're going to be saying it again. It's super frustrating. Yeah. So we got to take care of each other. We have a three-day weekend, but it's not just because it's a three-day weekend. Um, you know, we want to give a shout out to obviously everybody that's laid down their lives for us um, and the freedoms that we have. And, you know, those freedoms can certainly be considered and discussed and talked about, as we just mentioned. But, uh, you know, there's a bunch of things out there on Memorial Day and like you said, hot dogs, beer and flags and workouts and all these crazy things that we're <laughs> going to enjoy. But uh, but let's remember why we're doing it. And that's because uh, the people that laid down their lives for the freedoms that we enjoy now today, and that goes out to, uh, you know, first responders, police, um, you know, the military, obviously, that are still serving um, and everybody else, uh, teachers, healthcare workers. I mean, you know, we go through that every time on here, but it's really important to, uh, you know, to think about them, especially this weekend. So, um, hopefully your broadcasts go well, and I know you guys will have some tributes, um, as you go. Um, if you're over the age of 45, don't forget to get screened for colorectal cancer. Blummer, you got any last words here to take us out? No, I'm just going to reiterate what you just said about uh, you know Memorial Day being such a special time, and we do we do celebrate it in different ways. You know, we have the uh, all the pomp and circumstance, and all of the uh, all of the opportunities to take advantage of time off. School's ending. We're heading into summer, where uh, a lot of people will be traveling and going abroad. But the only reason we're able to do a lot of that and be consistent at being being Americans is because we do have a great military and we have those who have actually, you know, sacrificed and given their lives and those who are continuing to put themselves in harm's way. And it was a lot of fun over this graduation week where they actually here in Texas, they did a great job. And granted, you know, 900 kids are are graduating and there were about 15 students who were actually choosing to 
not either further their education within the uh, you know the armed forces you know whether it be the naval academy or west point uh but then they had other kids that were just going straight into uh serving our country so i am grateful for the for the parents who have served i'm grateful for the the all the veterans and the current uh you know currently deployed but also for the the future of the military who are going out there and making a decision at a very tough age at the age of 18 to go out there and make that decision to serve others. I think this day and age, that's something that kind of gets lost in, in uh, you know, how many likes I get or how many retweets I get. And it's about me, 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 but these people are choosing to put themselves out there to protect those who have the opportunity to go out there and get those likes and retweets. So we appreciate you and everything you've done and everything you're going to continue to do because without you, we are not a sovereign country that we are. And here at Bleacher Blums, we absolutely uh, applaud your efforts and are grateful for you. And I guess it only leaves us one thing to do. That's right. Get Get after it and believe believe it. it. All right, three. (coughs) Let me get this lung lasagna out. (coughs) I need this coffee to cool off so I can actually drink it.